Well, good morning again, um, and happy New Year. Uh, I guess I guess I gotta say that you know, wow, I haven't seen you all since last year. You know, you, you got to make that joke once a year. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four is is where we're going to be spending our time this morning. Uh, and uh, you know, as as you do that, you know, I just want to say again, whether you welcomed in this new year, staying up with others or fast asleep in your bed, uh, whichever way works best for you. I hope that these first few days of 2020 have been days filled with life. And however you find yourself in this season, whether it's, it's feeling blessed or feeling stressed or somewhere in between, uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here today, that we are here seeking after God together with one another, God's people. And I have a New Year's challenge for you. But before I get to that, I want to begin this time with a few moments of silence. And I'm not going to give you any kind of prompt for it, uh, no question to ponder anything. Just take a deep breath. And rest in the quiet for a few moments. Amen. Now that was only about a minute. And I imagine for some of you, it felt like an eternity. And for others of you, maybe it wasn't nearly long enough. Um, but, but wherever you are in that, how was that for you? Those moments of silence. You know, I imagine that for some of you, it, it may have been kind of a nice, quiet moment of peace and, and reflection. Uh, perhaps for a very few of you, it was nothing other than a moment of silence. Maybe you were actually able to just kind of cast out all other thoughts and be still. Um, that's pretty challenging to do. I, I imagine, though, that, that for many of you, probably most of you, that moment of silence was anything but silent. That in the midst of that, your mind found itself sort of wandering and, and racing, thinking about any number of things, plans, responsibilities, uh, worries, fears, failures. It's shocking how noisy a moment of silence can actually be sometimes. 
And this, I think, is the human condition. In in the late 4th century, Augustine wrote this prayer. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And we know this to be true, right? Our minds wander and race. We worry and ruminate. And in fact, our internal world can be so noisy sometimes that we have a tendency to turn up all of the external noise, right? We stay busy. We watch TV. We play music. We send text messages. We check social media. And all of this keeps our internal noise at bay for a moment, right? But underneath all of that, we are these anxious creatures deeply in need of peace. And this, I believe, is a human problem, a human condition, not just an individual problem. Because we tend to believe that if we're anxious, there's probably some specific thing that we need to address. You know, we need more money, we need more time, we need a different job, we need to deal with that one relationship, right? So on and so forth. And, and occasionally, every now and then, we will deal with that one specific thing and the anxiety will actually be relieved. But most of the time, more often, ruminating on all of those specific things really is the result of that underlying anxiety rather than those specific things being the cause for our anxiety. And that underlying anxiety goes far beyond personality or our circumstances. There's this this man, this author named Edwin Friedman. He was a religious leader and he was also a family therapist. And from his experience leading communities of faith and also working in, in therapy with families, he determined that anxiety was ultimately systemic. It was a systemic thing. Rather than a specific issue that needs to be focused on, anxiety is like a culture that we participate in. He called it chronic anxiety. And this is what he wrote. He said, rather than something that resides within the psyche of each one, it's something that can envelop, if not actually connect people. It is a regressive emotional process that is quite different from the more familiar acute anxiety we experience over specific concerns. Its expression is not dependent on time or events, even though specific happenings could seem to trigger it. And it has this way of reinforcing its own momentum. So in his work as a family therapist, he referred often to these dysfunctional families that he worked with as chronically anxious systems, right? This family is a chronically anxious system. And then in his writing on leadership, he actually extended that phrase to the whole of society. Now, I don't think we have to work too hard to determine that the the society that we live in 
is a chronically anxious system, right? News cycles, Facebook comments, politics, social habits, all of that shows that there is a lot of systemic anxiety all around us. Now, in the midst of chronically anxious systems, Friedman, this author I'm talking about, writes about leadership. And he says that what leaders need most is not more information, skills, or techniques, but rather leaders need to be a non-anxious presence in the midst of that chronically anxious system. And only then can transformation and change begin to come about. A non-anxious presence. It is the non-anxious person who is best able to lead a community into healing and wholeness. And I think this is the greatest gift that the church could be and should be to the world. Because the church can be, is meant to be, this non-anxious community that is able to lead the world into peace. So this is my New Year's challenge for you. My New Year's hope for us that we can become a people of peace. That we can become a non-anxious presence in the world. And so this is what I want to spend some time reflecting on together this morning. And we'll anchor this in Paul's words to the Philippians in chapter 4. So if you're there, we'll begin reading together in verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the peace that you offer to us. 
I pray that as we reflect on these words of Scripture together, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you were here last week, then you know that we spent some time reflecting on the angels' words at the arrival of Christ. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to people on earth. And today, we're going to continue reflecting on peace together. And so the first thing that I want to highlight is that true peace comes from God. We see this in our passage. The word peace occurs twice in the passage, first in verse 7 and then in verse 9. And in both instances, the word peace is attached to God. In verse 7, it it says the peace of God. And then in verse 9, it says the God of peace. And this is because true peace comes from God. The story of creation, we talked about this last week a little bit, is a story of God bringing peace and order into the chaos of the formless void that was the earth. And then the Psalms are filled with prayers for and and praise to God who gives peace. And indeed, that angel's song of peace on earth was sung because God, who is peace, now dwelt on earth. Truly, peace was on earth as Jesus. And it's Jesus who, during his earthly ministry, spoke to the wind and the waves and said to them, peace be still. And they actually listened to him. And then Jesus, on his final night with his disciples, told them in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then, ultimately, he went to the cross where it says he made peace by his blood and reconciled all things, things in heaven and things on earth. And then on the third day, he rose from death to reign forever as the prince of peace until that day when he will come again to establish his peace once and for all. So true peace comes from God. And we know this peace in Jesus. And this is what our passage means when it says the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. True peace comes from God and is known in Jesus. You see, it doesn't matter how disciplined we are. It doesn't matter how much quiet time we have. It doesn't matter how much mindfulness we practice. True peace only comes from Jesus, who covers us in his blood, who fills us with his spirit, 
and who guards our hearts and minds with his peace. You see, I think Augustine was right. Our hearts are restless until they rest in him. So before we we go on, I just want to pause and ask you this question. How are you and Jesus? I mean, obviously, you're here at church, so you've got some kind of connection with him. But how are you and Jesus? Whether you've been following him for years, or if you're only just beginning to search, or maybe you've been coming to church for years, but never really followed him. Or maybe you you used to follow him kind of wholeheartedly, but somewhere along the way it turned into some kind of nice religious habit. Wherever you are in this, I don't want you to hear any of it as any kind of condemnation, but rather as an invitation. Jesus loves you. His mercies are new every morning, new every year. And he stands ready to offer you his peace. And so this year, if we are going to become a people of peace, then we need to be a people who are deeply devoted to Jesus. People who are wrapped up in his grace, and filled with his spirit. So true peace comes from God, and it is found in Jesus. It is something that we cannot generate. We can't stir it up for ourselves. We must receive this peace. However, Though we must receive it, the passage we've read makes it really clear that peace is not merely a passive thing. Rather, peace is something that we actively participate in. Last week, we talked about the fact that that peace is not merely the absence of conflict but rather the presence of wholeness. And this week, I want to reaffirm that by saying that peace is not a passive cessation of activity, but rather an active receiving from God. And Paul is incredibly practical in what we have just read And he offers us practices that I think directly counteract the chronic anxiety that we live in. Because our typical pattern is anxiety and rumination. Anxiety and rumination. We feel that impulse of anxiety, that underlying anxiety, and it triggers rumination on the myriad of racing thoughts that we've already talked about this morning. That constant to-do list in the back of your mind, that paycheck that you're waiting for, that comment that someone made earlier this week, 
or perhaps years ago, you're still ruminating on that. We are anxious and we ruminate on all the negative things that there are to stew in. And the more we do this, the more ingrained it becomes. Anxiety leads to rumination, which leads to more anxiety, which leads to more rumination. This is the pattern we get stuck in. But Paul offers a counterpractice to this pattern. Instead of the pattern of anxiety and rumination, he offers us the pattern of prayer and meditation. Do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything, is what he writes. So what if instead of that underlying anxiety, we had an underlying posture of prayer? What if instead of living in the constant presence of stress, we lived in the constant presence of God, bringing our requests to him, giving thanks to him? How might this transform our daily living? How might this transform us into a non-anxious presence. You see, prayer is not just a task to check off at some point during the day. It is actually a way to live each moment. It is meant to be not only as pervasive as, but even more pervasive than all of our worries and all of our anxieties. Prayer is this constant way of living day to day. And as we live in a lifestyle of prayer, the anxiety rumination pattern gets transformed into a prayer meditation pattern. Because while anxiety triggers rumination, that stewing and negativity, prayer actually triggers meditation, a dwelling in God's goodness. And that's what Paul goes on to describe in verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Meditate on these things. And you see, secular psychology has actually affirmed that gratitude is one of the most transforming practices for positive mental health. But Paul wrote about that here thousands of years ago. He already knew. And yet, I think what Paul writes here is truly distinct from modern positivity or mindfulness practices. Because those are good in transforming. There, there may be a good first step. But what Paul is writing about is not just 
positive thinking. It is truly dwelling in the presence of God who gives all good things. It's not just sort of hunting around for good moments that were scattered in our day. It is resting in the traces of God's Spirit in our lives. Which, by the way, is not only present when things are going well. Not only the absence of conflict. The Spirit is with us at all times. The real, actual presence of God. I think the Spirit is with us especially when things are challenging, when things are difficult. And this is the Christian practice of meditation. To reflect on all things, whether good or challenging, and know that God is with us in them. That is why Paul writes, keep on doing these things and the peace of God will be with you. Anxiety leads to rumination, which leads to more anxiety. But in a posture and lifestyle of prayer, in the practice of meditation, God, the God of peace, is with us. Now, we could potentially start wrapping up the sermon here, you know, and, and go out of here with some theology, some, some practices, some, some nice warm hearts filled with peace. But this is not where peace ends. The gospel of peace is not just for our own therapeutic well-being. This gospel of peace is for the world. It is for all people. And that's the third thing I want to share with you this morning. You see, peace is from God. Peace is not passive. And peace is for the world. Paul makes this clear in verse 5 when he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The purpose of peace is not for our own well-being alone, but for the restoration of the world. The people of God become a non-anxious presence amidst the chronically anxious system of the world in order to bring restoration and healing and bring about that peace that everyone so needs and longs for. Whenever Jesus taught about peace, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. As God's people, we are meant to make peace, not merely keep it. As we seek to long for and, and grow in peace, we're not supposed to stay distant and stay away and just keep the peace. We are meant to bring that peace actively into the world around us 
invite others into it. To be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. And then when Jesus sent out his disciples to actually share the good news in Matthew and Luke chapter 10, he says to them to go to a home and let your peace rest on it. This was the act of evangelism, essentially. And so, so often, I think the church tends to sort of get wrapped up around this idea we need to go evangelize. And they do it out of anxiety. And yet, whenever Jesus sent his disciples into the world to proclaim the good news, he described it as bringing their peace into this home and letting their peace rest upon that home. And so I want to ask you, what are the places around you that desperately need peace? Maybe you need peace yourself, and there's so much for us to receive, but let it not stop there. Where are the places in your life, whether it's friends or family or neighbors or co-workers, where are the places that desperately need peace? May we not be a people who just keep our distance and keep the peace, but actively go, actively bring that peace into the world. And it will be filled with conflict. But thank God, peace is not merely the absence of conflict. The presence of God is with us as we face conflict. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. This word guard is actually a military word. How ironic that peace actually takes up guard, makes a stand. May we be that presence of peace in the world. May we become a non-anxious presence because we are people who know God and carry Him with us. May it be so. Amen.